passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are live. 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 Hello, YouTube. How's it going? Welcome to this week's Cafe Hangout. Where we are hanging out. I, I, sorry, I do that every week. How are you? I'm freezing, dude. I know I said that we wouldn't talk about the, the weather anymore, but I'm in your basement. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm freezing my ass off. It is really cold. Why don't you turn the heater on? Because uh, it'll make noise. I don't want you to be uh, in, uh, inconvenienced. No, I'm fine. I got, it, it's, I, it gets really cold down here, hence the reason I got a heater. Yeah. But it is uh, it is cold here, and it's just the... You know what? I always get heated when we talk about pro wrestling, so well, I'll use that. Oh, <laughs> I'll use that. Dude. Man, are you are you becoming me oh, with God, this, uh, this temperature drop? Hey. Uh, it's supposed to feel like minus 36 Celsius in Toronto today. Really? That's crazy. Hello, everybody in the chat room. I want to say uh, what's up to Eric... To Jonathan Pine, uh, they're talking about the weather. It just seems like we can't escape the weather talk. Well, if you want to chat about the weather, wrestling, whether the wrestling no. is interesting or not, Jeez. you can call in. Take this number down, 732-800-4423. If you're worried about the, the toll dinging you, you can also Skype in by simply Skyping us, uh, searching for post-wrestling. We'll be taking your calls. You know, when you call in, we'll take your call. Yeah. And if you if it happens to be busy, just wait for the next caller to uh, hang up and then call back in. We will get to anyone that does call in. 732-800-4423, post-wrestling on Skype. Can, but we, way, come, can we come up with like a, a fun little like words out of that phone number? Uh, I think 800, you can keep. 4423, I'd have to really look at my... I don't know. <laughs> I don't necessarily know how we can uh, put this all into one... Four letter we'll word. We'll work on it. We'll work on we'll, it. We'll something, try. We'll, we'll try and come up with something. But calling in is great. But getting to see us live, that to me would be the pinnacle. Would oh, it not? yes, of course. And how could people do that, John? What a segue. Well, Way, you have really uh, helped to spearhead this. Way and I have announced already. Oh, we're getting our, our first call now, right as we're in the middle of You this. can answer it. We'll get to him right after, right after this. Okay. Hang on the line, caller. <laughs> Way and I will be doing our special post-wrestling live in New York Q&A special on Sunday, April the 7th, WrestleMania Day, happening at noon Eastern time at the Broadway Comedy Club. And tickets are now available. You can go to postwrestling.com slash live for all of the information. It will take you through uh, to be able to pick up tickets that are available for $25. Or if you are a patron, a special discount, you get it for $20. Yeah, yeah. For your $6 pledge, we want to give you a $5 discount. So essentially, your Patreon pledge goes is about $1 for that month. But we want to basically uh, 
do this live show just as much as an experiment for us to see how much interest there is in a show like this as as anything. So um, it's the first time we're actually selling tickets. So please don't embarrass us. <laughs> this will come show. with uh, we're going to do a Q&A show. Uh, we'll also have a meet and greet after the show. We're going to have some post-wrestling merchandise available, including a exclusive an exclusive limited edition WrestleMania weekend t-shirt yeah. the man robert pearson the man who's uh responsible for des des designing a number of our t-shirts over the years he's working on a very special limited edition poster and t-shirt for this very event in addition to that though robert not only is he a great artist he's a great researcher of local new york things to do so for those of you uh remember everybody this is on the sunday at noon just hours before wrestlemania and we're aware that a lot of you are going to be able to are, are going to have to make it from our show to metlife stadium uh like we mentioned the broadway comedy club is a short 14 minute walk away from port authority station and beyond that um there are a lot lots of uh, options for food uh, restaurants uh, or uh, drinks around and Robert Pearson has actually compiled all of that transit and travel info into a very handy PDF which you can also download at postwrestling.com slash live so you can make all your plans surrounding our live show uh, on your way towards Wrestlemania yes and if you're just there for for the Q&A Q&A will go until 1.30 meet and greet 1.30 till 2.30 lots of time to get to MetLife Stadium that day for WrestleMania. All right. So go to, again, postwrestling.com slash live. That's got all the ticket information. They're available now. Don't embarrass us, as Way said. Maybe that will <laughs> be the, the, the tagline. Uh, let us go to the calls and start things off. And who is this calling? It's Dez from California, a.k.a. at Dez Delgadillo on Twitter. What's Dez! What's up, Dez? Yo. Nice to been, talk uh, to you. I don't think I've talked to you guys since, like, the law day, or, you know, back in the day it's been so long man how you guys been we're doing we're doing swell yeah. it's cold up here probably yeah. colder than your climate but nonetheless we're we're surviving it's, it's uh california so it's not usually that cold but today it is raining and uh Ooh. southern california is panicking guys wow. there's oh, a panic God. going on <laughs> there is water from the sky everywhere. It's falling out of the sky, though, and it's getting everything wet, and uh, people are trying to adapt. So I'll keep you guys posted uh, if, if on uh, Twitter oh, if you guys yeah. want. But what a crazy. What's on your mind yeah. today, Des? Guys, I am just getting floored by this AEW stuff. Like, every single week, just new stuff comes out. And, like, I don't even know if the Dean Ambrose thing is related to that at all. But the fact that it has potential to be it's mind-blowing and it's well, like, well let me add, uh, ask you this des regardless of what yeah. dean ambrose has planned i think that just something like aew existing it's going to give someone that extra push of confidence that you know i can leave here whereas in another era you may think that taking a sabbatical um am i going to be welcome back here i think it's just it's created an an option whether it's one that performers want to go to or not just knowing it's there adds a bit of a bit of leverage now whenever you are making career decisions involving the wwe oh yeah because regardless of what industry you're in i mean you want there to be an alternative you don't want to be trapped in the same place out of necessity and for the longest time especially since wcw has gone under there's been like wwe or nowhere else i'm not going to make money anywhere else so 
now that there's that potential, I'm super happy for everybody involved, no matter no matter what happens with Dean or anybody. It's, it's just the fact that they have the chance. Yeah, like we're not even out of the first month of the year yet, and we're already seeing uh, potential jumps. I mean, people, you know, just leaving for the first time. Like since those days, we have like the excitement of potentially seeing, you know, something on the level of Alex Luger showing up on a rival uh, company show. You know, Rick Rude showing up on one show one night and then uh, uh, another show another night. It's a terribly exciting time. I mean, they need a show. They need a show first, but I know what yes. you mean, way. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and uh, yeah, any 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 other uh, kind of thoughts surrounding this that that jump out at you, Des? I, I uh, the AEW stuff. I mean, just it's going to keep on building. And that's really exciting. But one more thing, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on real quick is I know this is going to go totally against what John was talking about. Uh, I'll, uh, I just finished listening to Review of SmackDown, so I might be getting my shows confused already. But. Uh, you, John didn't seem to like SmackDown, and SmackDown was the first show that I tuned in to watch in a very long time, like in actuality, and sat down in front of and watched. Uh, and I had the best time. Like, it was so much fun to watch. It was two hours. It had, like, not a, I didn't think there was a single bad segment on there. And everyone I loved, like, it had Samoa Joe on it, Daniel Bryan on it, AJ Styles on it. It was like this. I grew up watching TNA, so I guess it's just like this dream roster now, if you look at it from that sense. It, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I just wanted to say SmackDown right now is like, hell has to be the best thing WWE's got going right now. I, I think consistently it's a, it's a very entertaining show. I, I, I didn't hate this week's show. I didn't love it either. It's But yeah, SmackDown consistently, I think they had a, a hell of a show last week as well with... Uh, a number of programs that kind of all kind of peaked for those television matches last week. But, you know, very easy to watch two-hour show that I feel kind of breezes by in comparison. Yeah. It's hey, guys, I love what you're doing. And, uh, oh, I'll, I'll take you guys the rest off the airway. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I no just problem. wanted to say love what you're doing. And uh, keep it up, guys, and I'll talk to you guys uh, again soon. Thanks a lot for the call, Des. Thanks really so much, appreciate Des. It. Thanks for all your support. Uh, no, I was just going to say, like, it's it's kind of unfortunate that SmackDown is kind of seen as the B-show because so much of, you know, the WWE's reputation rests on the quality of Raw and, um, you know, that reflects in the ratings as well. But I think much of it has to do with, I think it's better writing on SmackDown. Maybe it's a better roster on SmackDown. When they did that brand split, we we looked at how, like, those rosters split up and how how much more, how unbalanced it felt. You know, looking at, at what SmackDown had versus what Raw had. Do you feel like SmackDown's kind of lived up to the potential of what that roster looked like when they did that? Uh, Going draft? back to 2016. No, the draft. Oh, from last year? Yeah. I, I think at this point, yeah, it looked like a great series of uh, acquisitions that SmackDown got coming out of that when you figured what they already had, which, I mean, let's go back to that superstar shakeup, which is right after WrestleMania. SmackDown's got, to me, the hottest thing in the industry in Daniel Bryan and this ability to tell the yeah. comeback story, which, uh, let's be honest, they they really kind of swung and missed on that one. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a super entertaining character. I'll tell you what nobody predicted, though, was obviously Becky Lynch. No, being the that one. Star. Yep. Yeah, coming like uh, coming off of that that uh, that draft, I don't think anybody looked at her as the prospect. Now she's the main character of, I would say, both shows. Yeah, and I, I think someone that they are going all the way with, and you know, I, I think that that's going to be a lot of pressure as well 
post-WrestleMania, if you're looking at a landscape that does not include Ronda Rousey and that Charlotte and Becky are going to be prominently featured uh, to be kind of the succession plan, uh, I think that there there's a lot on their shoulders as well beyond and going into the Fox era of SmackDown as well. Mm-hmm. And, w- and what changes we could see because the superstar shakeup to me this year, it's very important because you're essentially lining up the deck and the rosters for that's that Fox launch yep. and, and how you're going to assess because in prior years, you're always looking at, well, Raw's got the three hour show. It's this monster you've got to feed, but this year SmackDown to me is undoubtedly the priority over raw to have ready for Fox where they need to grow the audience and not be doing 2.1 million viewers on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. The phone number again, one seven three two eight hundred four four two three. Uh, a few other news. Um, you and I have not had a chance to speak uh, about Hideo Itami, who yeah. uh, it was reported Tuesday night uh, by Fightful. Uh, PW Insider also confirming Again, this. broke right after we finished recording. Yes, we've been uh, very poorly timing our shows. Yeah. Uh, so Hideo Itami reportedly requesting his release is, is expected to be granted it um, with the expectation that Tuesday was his final night, uh, losing to Akira Tozawa in 205 Live. And... I think the most notable part, the fact that he's expected to be granted his release and they are not putting up any kind of um, of a fight here that he's being released. Now, whether there's going to be conditions based upon that release, we don't know. But uh, what's your were you surprised that he is, you know, being given what he's requesting? Um, in this case, not as much, because I feel like this is a, was a relationship that unfortunately just was not working out it kind of felt like one of those like relationships where you kind of want to break up with the person but nobody wants to make the first move because you don't want to have be the one to to do the breakup to be quite honest with you i don't think a tommy uh certainly you know he would probably be the first to tell you didn't live up to his potential um in down in nxt uh and 205 live i can't say he's been all that impressive either he's been there really that's it and I don't know what type of money he must have been making, but I I can imagine it not being such a big loss for the WWE. And, you know, the other thing is, do, do we know what the terms are of, of, of the release? Does it state that he, you know, has to, can he work for a competitor in North America? Can he work for anybody? Or is, is his release, is he going to tell them that he's looking to move back to Japan? Yeah, and how enforceable something like that is as well. I mean, that's kind of a, of a dicey area that once you give someone their release, like you may have a 90 day, no compete clause in there. But beyond that, I mean, it's, I don't know how much control a a former employer should be able to have on that unless they could specifically negotiate language to a longer, uh, no compete clause that you would think would be kind of, um, encompassing everything. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there could be something of, you know, you can, you know, for a lot of guys, when they have that no 90 day, no compete clause, that really means like to do television and to, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to go and do some independent show, they're not going to necessarily be breathing down your neck. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see. In the case of a Dean Ambrose, I mean, I could see them wanting to hold on to him as long as they're legally able to. Yeah, but very different circumstances. Tommy at this point is not as big of a loss. Yeah. And I mean, with Ambrose, he has a deal that's up. So there's no, there's nothing holding him back. It's like you can, unless, unless, do we know what the, what the, what the status is with the, with the rollover, with, with the injuries? Yeah. Well, he had the injury, yeah. and they've done that before. I, like I have Brian. never, and I, 
I have not like talked about this in depth with, with lawyers. I actually should probably ask more about it, but like, I have a really hard time understanding how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine Can you explain to people what we're talking about? In, so in the case of, of certain guys that have had injuries, like what Dan- they like Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan was one. And I believe Ray Mysterio, they, they, they did this with that. If you are on the shelf for six months, and your contract's coming up in April, well, they're going to tack on six months, so your deal is not up in April. And it's going to be up in October mm-hmm. instead. Like, that to me is... I, I just don't know that if, if a wrestler were actually to fight that, I would really be back in the wrestler on that, it, thinking that they would have the better case here. Like, Especially if you're injured while you're doing the job. In, in a physical... Person. Like, could you imagine if a baseball player was approaching free agency and they said, well, remember that year you were out with a torn labrum? Well, we're adding on a year. Hmm. It's like, well, I'm, I'm a different player now and I'm standing to make this much on free agency and you're going to hold me to my previous contract that I signed five years ago and what I was going to make in year two. Um, with Ambrose though, do you think that this would even be the case because they put out that release saying that he would no longer be here after April? I think I think they've kind of put themselves into kind of a, a spot where I, I don't think they'd be able to justify trying to tack on time to it. So it hmm. seems like it's up in April and, and that's it. And, you know, to be honest, not having read Dean Ambrose's contract, it's like who who knows if they did tack on time, mm. to be honest. Um, but that's it's a weird thing. I've never heard of that for anywhere but WWE of this. If you are injured of somehow trying to add that onto a contract. So um, just going back to a Tommy, I think you and I were there for his, his peak in the company. And that can't, he was brought on to NXT in the fall of 2014 and then WrestleMania weekend. Yes. He was in the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. They did a big feature on him, but that Friday night we went to that house show in San Jose mm-hmm. and it's remembered for Charlotte and Sasha Banks, just tearing it down with that, uh, the match that they did and kind of being the precursor to, the takeovers being on Mania Weekend. But that was the night they did Hideo Itami in the ring delivering the GTS for the first time. And the pop was just enormous for Itami. And I think that weekend was his high point. And then he had, well, first he had the shoulder surgery that was, he was out for over a year. Then he comes back, he gets dumped on his head from a power slam. He injures his neck. He's out another six months. So he had a lot of injuries that, you know, stopped his momentum. And here's a guy that's 37 years old right now. And I, I'm curious what his next step is. Is he a, cause he came here with the idea of, you know, making it in the U S mm-hmm. there's other options in the U S or are you looking at, you know, Noah's under new ownership now. Are you just going back there? Um, I don't know. I don't know what his, his thinking is other than not being in WWE. But he returns, like he leaves the WWF, WWE in, in, into a very different landscape both in uh, North America and, and in Japan and yep. worldwide. So I, I, I suppose for me, the question is, you know, can he can he keep up with the modern style of what's out there right now, a much more demanding style than what personally I've seen him be able to achieve under 205 Live? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question that, you know, what he, yeah, it was a very different version of him in WWE than you saw in Noah. Um, not all that different than Nakamura as well. So, uh, certainly somebody to watch as well. Um, 
Ian Riccoboni has signed a new multi-year deal uh, with Ring of Honor. His contract was actually going to be up April 1st, but he signed a, a multi-year deal. And so that's someone that, again, his contract was coming due. And it, and it sounds like there were there was interest elsewhere as, as well for him. Interesting. Wow. That just, that this is kind of the marketplace that... It's it's always funny to me that as everyone is focused on just loading up on all of this talent, um, if you are a Ring of Honor that loses your lead voice, that's not an easy role to fill. There's not this incredible depth of great play-by-play announcers. And I think Ian Riccoboni is a really great host and and play-by-play announcer for Ring of Honor that, you know, these are roles that are not, you know, there's people out there, I'm sure people that we're not even aware of, but in terms of uh, recognizable play-by-play, it's a pretty small fraternity of quality guys. Yeah, like when we're talking about seasoned with doing weekly television on a national scale, um, I'm sure that 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 it's not a huge kind of mass that you can pick from. So good for him. I'm happy to see other people benefit from all of this stuff beyond just, you know, your professional wrestling, uh, you know, current professional wrestlers, like backstage producers, editors, video producers, directors, all can seemingly benefit from this war that's going on. Yeah. And I can add, it's, it sounds like it's a, it's a nice increase over what he was making prior. So it tells me that, you know, Ring of Honor is spending money Mm -hmm. at the moment and cool, you know, it's, it's, you know, trickling throughout their roster at the moment. I want to get your thoughts on this. The NXT tapings went down on Wednesday night, and we won't go through uh, the results and such, but uh, this isn't really a spoiler. But in the main event, it's Johnny Gargano and Velveteen Dream for the North American title. And what was interesting is they taped two finishes, mm-hmm. one with Dream winning the title and one with Gargano submitting him with the Gargano escape. And... I'm trying to recall if they, I seem to recall they did this once before, but anyway, it's still rare that they do this and we'll see what airs on television, but Hmm. kind of interesting that they did this. Do we know that it's not a case of like what they, you know, did this week on SmackDown with just uh, like one match following another or it's, did they just pick up from like a sequence in the, in the, in the match and just redo it? Like, how did they explain it live? Well, they didn't. I think the people just watched it. It's not like you can hear the commentary. Like he won, and then all of a sudden, it sounds like Gargano then came, brought him back into the ring, and then submitted him with the Gargano escape. And then there's the shot of Gargano holding the title with Champa. Wow, um, on the ring. So I want to see how it airs, and I mean, how they do this. They're going pretty far uh, to kind of combat spoilers. And on the one hand, I do kind of appreciate it. On the other, like, <laughs> I, I worry about, like, the people who are in charge of, like, cage match trying to, like, you know, write down the proper, like, result of something like this. Um, I I think it's, 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 it's nice to be able to keep your audience guessing. I guess. I, I think it's, if you're only doing it for that reason about spoilers, I think you're really overthinking things that the, mm-hmm. the level or the number of people that are even reading spoilers that... Sure. To be honest, it's like you read the the taping results. I would I would venture to guess that a very small amount are even remembering what the results are in three weeks when a match like that airs. Yeah, I I could see that. I think it's, I think it's very minuscule. Yeah, but I I mean, knowing from our audience how much spoilers bother bother them, I well, I they're completely irrational. So <laughs> it's like I I don't know what I what I hope to see though if they continue doing this is just a collection of alternate 
endings that they'll end up releasing. I'll tell you, that'll drive talent away real quick. It's like, okay, all <laughs> matches now we're we're doing alternate endings for. Oh man. Cool. Count me out. Could you imagine though, like if 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 this was a thing that that was known to to be done in wrestling, that if like Austin versus Brett had an alternate ending. Or if like Stone Cold versus Rock from WrestleMania 17 had an alternate ending, how how different things would be. They There's probably a that. cool um like um like Austin never turned heel. My career mode for a video game where you take a famous match and it's uh Shawn Michaels uh submits to the sharpshooter at Survivor Series and where Bret Hart's career goes after that. <laughs> and that's who you pick up. And you could pick like eight different famous matches and go with an alternate finish. And that takes, and then you assume the wrestler in his career beyond that of how things are different. I feel like we're not that far. We're probably five years away from something like that. I don't think that's even uh, complicated to do. It just, someone has to decide to do it. Tyler Crane has a question. He wants to know what our thoughts were on TakeOver because I guess we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, you're right. We didn't get to talk about it. Uh, I loved the Johnny Gargano-Ricochet match. And I would say that I was surprised at how much... Um, I, I thought people were more down on the main event because uh, than I was because I really enjoyed the match with, with Ciampa and Black. I don't think anybody would was saying that it was not a good match, just that maybe... You know, it didn't stack up to either previous TakeOver main events or, you know, Ricochet versus Gargano. I know it wasn't flawless selling. I know there were some holes here and there, but I thought for the most part, I thought Aleister Black was tremendous selling the knee. That mm-hmm. spot with the water where he slips on it later in the match yeah. after Ciampa had like spit it on the onto the floor. Um, just little things like where he's he's trying he the story that he, his leg is taken away and he mm-hmm. can't effectively do the black mass. I really got into that match. I liked it a lot. Um, Gargano Ricochet was my match of the night, but I had that much closer with the the tag title match. Like I thought that and the tag title match were kind of my yeah. tied for second. My favorite was uh, Gargano Ricochet, but then uh, I I would go with the tag title match. It was a great second. tag match, yep. but I think I enjoyed the main event more than most. Yeah, I thought um, Ono versus Riddle was a little bit disappointing. Um, like it was know. good. It, it just fine. wasn't great. Again, like you're talking about such a high, high bar that that takeovers have set that I don't think that really stacked up. I thought Bianca Belair looked really good for somebody of her experience level. You know, again, I thought it was again clear that she's not ready for the belt yet. I would give her like another at least half a year before to a year before I think considering her for that bigger role. But and, she and be- looked great for for the experience that she's had. And because that was the perception going in and how it played out, I really didn't like the storyline of she doesn't belong here because I think that inherently kind of almost it, it for, it almost put it in a position where she has to go out and have this blow away match mm-hmm. to negate the criticism in the storyline of her going into this. And it was just so out of left field. Like here she's been this cocky undefeated heel. So in storyline, she's been beating your top women to get this shot. So in storyline, it makes no sense to explain she doesn't belong here. And granted, she's shifting more towards a baby face, mm-hmm. but I still didn't feel that that, that label or that storyline they wanted to project onto this match, that she doesn't belong here, fits her character, which is this ultra competitive, cocky mm-hmm. athlete that yeah. I didn't like it. I, 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 think I didn't think it enhanced the match at all. I think it's a case where like NXT, um, like as a character, she she does this cocky thing really well. But 
I think the the context of the match felt much more real with her trying to live up to people's expectations. It was just kind of them maybe positioning between reality and what her character is supposed to be that just happened to work for this particular match. It just felt like an idea that came out that day because that mm-hmm. was nothing on TV. And it's like, she's undefeated. She's on this undefeated streak having beaten everyone. Like if this were a legitimate sport, mm-hmm. she would absolutely be your your contender. Yeah. So true. anyway, let's go back to the phone lines. Who is this calling? Uh, this is Jeremy from West Virginia. Hey, Jeremy. How are What's you doing, up, Jeremy? Today? I'm doing great, guys. I just wanted to congratulate you all first on the uh, Live from New York show. I can't wait to uh, go to it. I've uh, been to you know all the other WrestleMania meetups that day, and it's going to be awesome to be in a comedy club and uh, have it all set up like that for you guys. Awesome. I'm happy that you guys are able to, able to sell tickets, and I hope it goes well uh, for us all. Well, we look, uh, look forward to seeing play. you there, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Is that going to be up as a podcast too? Do y'all know yet? Or? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna re- we're gonna record the Q and A for a future. Cool. Yeah, podcast. Yep. Okay. N- another quick question: to Sun Ring of Honor. Um, you guys were talking about how the uh, NXT did their tapings. Uh, Ring of Honor tapings have always kind of threw me off watching the TV product and the Honor Club dreams. It seems like they kind of conflict each other. Uh, I just started getting more into the product. Uh, so like they'll you know they'll they'll stream the live shows live and then the TV products a couple weeks behind. Um, picking up uh, Rick and Bonnie, do you guys see any room for growth for Ring of Honor, or do you think that they're just looking to kind of stabilize what they're doing, how they're doing things? I mean, they're going with the mindset that they are not going to be um, put off course by the loss of the elite. They have brought in a lot of new names, which is. It's one of the unintended benefits when you see a lot of talent leave. It frees up money to bring in fresh faces. And I think that's that's always something good to have is fresh faces coming in that you want to have a bit of changeover every year because it creates new matchups. There's just a natural um, interest when you have new scenarios in place. So not to say any of these names are going to be able to replace the outgoing names, but I, I think there is a, a small positive when you get... Uh, different names onto the show as well. Um, So I I think that this year they very much believe that they have reached a status where they can maintain the business that they've been doing, even with those losses. And time will tell with that. I think there's going to be a big high point with the Madison Square Garden show that even with with the loss of Cody and the Bucks on that show, I think there's still going to be really big shows because of the New Japan talent. And you would think that they want to start to get some of those matches out um, once they can. And that's probably more a New Japan thing of when they can announce matches uh, for that show. You, I really hope that it's not something where we're up against, you know, a couple weeks out when we're getting the card for the garden. You want to have that in mm-hmm. place to build up anticipation. So I, I think that that's going to be their high point of the year. And it's it's going to be a lot on their their roster to kind of move past this and be able to carve out a solid spot within the within the space with all of this competition. So I'm more so looking once AEW starts running, um, how that impacts someone that's uh, a ring of honor consumer. Is that going to affect their, how much they're going to ring of honor shows? And cause they're going to be direct competitors going after the same audiences. And I, th- I think ring of honor, you can't really fault the moves they've made so far. They've brought in some great talent so far. Yeah. I think, uh, it- I, I, I think, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I think it'll be especially important for them this year to kind of distance themselves from relying too much on the New Japan influence, uh, which I think has 
been a, a major problem of theirs over the past years. I think signing like exclusive talent like a PCO or Brody King and making those guys your stars is 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 going to be much more important. Bandito, for Bandito, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see the reception that it's going to get in a big place like MSG. The one thing I was thinking about whenever John mentioned the AEW uh, thing was whenever they aired the Zero Hour, that was through um, Ring of Honor uh, for All In. So since they had that on WGN, I wondered whether Ring of Honor could ever grow out to a WGN and have a stable product uh, like that. I know I don't I don't guess that AEW is considering WGN because that would be Sinclair affiliate um but i just think that that the they need that growth and they can't like stay stable where they are with just the affiliated uh syndicated programs on the weekend i, I just think ring of honor needs to grow if they're actually going to compete with AEW. I think that there's definitely something to that of having a, a national broadcaster where you have a dedicated time slot every week um you can be the biggest ring of honor fan in the world and if someone asks you well When's their show on? Well, I could give you dozens of different answers depending on where you live in the country. Mm-hmm. And that goes for Canada as well. I think that there's definitely uh, something to that. Uh, they do make it pretty easy now for people that if you go on Fight TV, you, you can watch it. But I still feel television is going to be the medium where you're going to reach the most mm-hmm. amount of people who are not logging on to a streaming site to watch wrestling. And one of the spectacular things about sports and what makes it so kind of, you know... Um I guess DVR proof is the fact that you have a central time where everybody gathers to watch it live at a certain time. When you're talking about syndication, everybody's watching ROH at a different time, and therefore you miss out on that communal aspect that you get from Raw or SmackDown or anything else. Yeah, and if you're someone that puts a lot of stock into uh, Twitter engagement and that kind of thing, you're not getting, other than the pay-per-views, that that time when... ROH fans are when you're going to see your timeline that's full of ROH comments and stuff because it's all scattered. People are not watching it on um, on, on a traditional time slot. And you're seeing the same as well. Like I, I look at the other example, like like an impact. You're not seeing a lot of buzz either. And that's for different reasons. Like they do have that. They do have a dedicated time. But nobody it, gets the channel. It's just not on a channel that anybody is getting. So like that's that's the other side of it. You you want to be on a broadcaster that's got you know sizable reach but i don't rule i don't rule it out jeremy i'm sorry yeah you're right in a major market like that where where they're not in but i don't rule it out that sinclair would not do it if there was you know um a big proposal on on the air and again like all all roads lead back to AEW that they get on television and there's a big following to it it's a copycat industry and they're gonna say hey there's non-WWE wrestling that's out there that can get an audience. What else is out there? And that's how a lot of these companies can possibly uh, land deals out of this. If, if there's kind of this, this wave and this belief amongst te- television executives that wrestling can draw money without being WWE branded. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping uh, for their growth that they're able to do that. Uh, thanks so much, guys. I can't wait to see you in New York. Thanks, Jeremy. Um. One other thing I want to mention here as well, uh, Impact and MLW sent out a joint press release Mm -hmm. on Wednesday. They announced that they're going to be collaborating their talent and shows together. They're not running together, uh, but they each have shows on April the 4th, which is the Thursday of WrestleMania week. Uh, MLW is running. That's their first of two straight nights at the Melrose Ballroom. So they're running at 7 p.m. 
Then Impact, they are moving their show. They were going to be running in Jamaica, Queens, uh, and now they are moving to Rahway, New Jersey, and they're running a show at 11 p.m. that night. In the press release, they cited that there's a, a curfew in New York that would not allow them to go past a certain time, so they're doing it for that reason. Now, uh, Lavi Margolin, who's been on this show before, he uh, wrote on Thursday that at his last check, Impact had sold 33 tickets to their event. So I would guess that that also went into the decision to move. But they are also not working with House of Glory any longer. They're now working with WrestlePro. And they were very complimentary towards House of Glory in the, in the press release. But nonetheless, moving their show uh, to Rawway as well. So it seems like they are going to coordinate the talent. Uh, will not, they will structure it in such a way that talent can be on one show as well as the other. Now, the other thing, the, the two that everyone's looking at here for both are Pentagon and Phoenix, who are doing the WrestleCon Super Show that Thursday as well. So I don't know how all that fits in as well um, and, and how that's all going to work with Pentagon and Phoenix, who clearly everybody wants to be on their show. And I just don't know how feasible that's going to be to do three shows in one night. I found this press release to be kind of odd that I've never heard of a press release just to to announce that we're coordinating schedules with another company. It was you know? like, we're not <laughs> like, I tried to read through it that it's almost like, well, we're not going to try and screw the other <laughs> was pretty much the takeaway here. Breaking news. Like, we're, we're not going to book someone so that he is forced to make a choice between both events. Like, but, 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 but more so than that, the idea I guess was just to announce a change in venue. Was that what this was? Well, for? yeah, like that's kind of, that's not the lead though in this yeah. press release. It's not in the title. It's like, it's buried down there that they're moving states yeah. for their show, which so, if Lobby Margolin's report is accurate, is only affecting 33 people. I don't know if it was just some type of spin, but I mean, it certainly leads you to start thinking about a potential, you know, uh, partnership in the future between MLW and, and Impact. Certainly if they're appearing on a press release together, maybe there's, there's going to be, maybe that's just the first step in a bigger relationship. Well, listen, we've talked about MLW and Impact being, you know, promotions to watch in 2018 because of where they're going to fit. This is quickly becoming a table filled with millionaires and billionaires, mm -hmm. and they are trying to sit at that table. And and they're just, they are not... There are millionaires and billionaires in control of, at least like, that we know, Impact. So, but is that person willing to play that big of a game? That's it. And I mean, I would say Sinclair, you're seeing like... That's the biggest company of all of them. And you can see that they are now clearly opening up the purse strings to allow Ring of Honor. It's again, you go from the, the value of some of these parent companies, but what is the budget that the wrestling division is getting? Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, like these are the people they're in competition with this year for talent, for venues, for television. They're all in competition with one another. MLW and Impact, I, I think it's going to be a very tough year for them in terms of where they're going to land in this whole landscape and what their talent situation is going to be. I think it's going to be a big battle all year, trying to retain your talent mm -hmm. and, and constantly scouting for new talent because inevitably people are going to go when they see some of the contracts that are being thrown out there. So they're two interesting cases. And if you want to make the argument, are they stronger together? Maybe they are. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very difficult though for promotions to get on the same page and, and work together when they're kind of in competition with one another as yeah. well. It's AEW and ROH, same thing. It's like you're you're kind of believing that we can have this this section of the playground to ourselves, and everyone's fighting for their own portion. 
Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, if if at the top of of you know at least some of those plans are Pentagon and Phoenix, their statuses are very much up in the air. Well, they, they are the two big gets, and once um, once they're free and clear, I think you're they they stand to greatly greatly benefit if Lucha Underground calls it a day and they're contractually free to do so. Um, they're they're two huge two huge acquisitions. Um, other news uh, to discuss this weekend. We've got uh, several shows coming up. There are the the New Japan shows that are happening both in Sapporo and the U.S. shows as well. The L.A. show went down on Wednesday night. They're going to be in Charlotte on Friday, Nashville on Saturday. Yeah. Do you have the card, or do you want do you want to quickly uh, go through some of some of this? Just, we can, uh, some of the headlining. Yeah. In the U.S. on the Friday night, we've got Carl Fredericks versus Clark Connors. John Schuyler and Colt Cabana against Lance Archer and Shane Taylor. The Great O'Karn versus Tracer X. This is all going to be on World? I I asked about that a few weeks ago, and it was said that maybe it will be on oh, New okay. Japan World. So, this kind of tells you how important these shows are, I guess. Well, But still, like they, they should be good, especially you know with all this talent. I think feeling a little bit of pressure... From all the criticism. Listen, I'm sure the shows are going to be fine. And listen, they they sold tickets to these shows. Like they, the business, uh, granted, I mean, that was done ahead of time when I think people's expectations of what would be on this card were different, but it's not as though you've heard of people unloading tickets either. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Jonathan Gresham against Brody King and Marty Skrull. That should be very good. Alex Coughlin against Davey Boy Smith Jr., Tracy Williams and David Finley against Chucky T and Rocky Romero. And the main event, Juice Robinson defending the United States title against Beretta, who uh, it was reported by Dave Meltzer, Beretta and Chucky T uh, finishing up with New Japan this weekend. Very interesting. So, uh, I mean, those results might be at least somewhat expected, but I think it'll be cool to see how Chucky and and, and Beretta, you know, fare uh, in their going away match in... uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm also very interested to know what exactly this whole Lifeblood thing is going to be about. Um, it's very much an ROH show, this one. Yeah, I would say all of them. It's it, Take out ROH talent, this is a pretty... Um, but but again, that's not necessarily... They, they do, you don't even have shows. But it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier, ROH is in a, a bit of a rebrand, and I think this will be a show where you'll get to see a lot of those new characters come out. Yeah, I, I would think between New Japan World and Honor Club, you'll see these shows somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's just a matter of where they put them. How about the uh, Japan cards? Uh, yes, let's take a look. So on Saturday. Saturday night, we start out with our first night in Sapporo. Saturday night in Japan, Saturday morning. Saturday morning in North us. America. Opener, this should be really good. Ren Narita and Yuya Uemura. These two are the Young Lion rivals. And these guys, oh, like the best opener in wrestling at the moment. Cool. Toa Hanare and Manabu Nakanishi against Shota Umino and Ayato Yoshida. Uh, that should be very good as well. Uh, then we've got Hiroshi Tenzan and Tiger Mask against Takeshi Azuka and Takamichinoku. Um, that's a match. <laughs> then we have... Uh, I thought Izuka was retired or he is retiring soon. Yeah, he's retiring in about three weeks. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, three so weeks. this gotcha. is kind of a, his, his winding down tour. Yeah. Um, then we've got, uh, rounding out the card, we've got the Gorillas of Destiny, Yujiro, Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori against Yoshihashi, Tomoki Honma, Toriyano, Togi Makabe, and Ryusuke Taguchi, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Tatsuya Naito versus Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and El Desperado. And then the three big matches, Sonata versus Minoru Suzuki, 
Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr. That should be really good. Mm-hmm. And the main event, Tanahashi and Okada versus Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. So, yeah, kind uh, of, a mixed bag of Kind of your standard New Japan, you know, smaller show with a bunch of multi-mans. But I, I would say uh, the, the last three matches seem like they, they might be worth going out of your way. to. And the opener. Yeah. I definitely recommend yeah. the opener. I think that'll be definitely one to tune in early for. All right, we're going back to the phone calls. Who is this calling? Hey, it's Charlie uh, from Maryland. Hey, Charlie, what's Charlie. going on today? I'm good, man. It's a bit cold in uh, Maryland. I'd say a little bit of snow that we had, but nothing compared to you guys. Is Maryland... Um, yeah, I guess you're further south. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. what's on your mind, yeah. Charlie? Yeah, um, I actually did want to talk about that Hideo Tommy contract. Like, the sure. ending, it was so crazy. Like, it caught me off guard, and I hope... I really hope he kind of goes back to Japan, because uh, I really want to see, like... Uh, I think I watched the uh, Naomichi Marafuji, the... 20-year anniversary where he did that show. Yeah. He looked super happy in that show. Yeah, yeah, that's where, yeah, WWE loaned him back. He got to be Kenta for one night, and they, they had a, a great match together. So, I mean, that's kind of... You know, a year ago, if he's leaving, I think most would have assumed he's going back to Japan. But I, I mean, it's it's a thriving market in the U.S. He's He's been on WWE television. I don't completely rule out the idea that he may still have that itch to have a really solid north american run and it clearly wasn't happening in wwe but yeah his next like there's going to be interest i mean that to me is undeniable where would you yeah, like to and see him i mean oh go ahead go ahead where would you like to see him in particular if he goes to japan um you know a new japan would it be bad honestly uh but to me i think Noah would fit him better since he's been there before and you know he looked happy when he was there um but New Japan actually wouldn't be bad, you know, mixing it with, with some juniors or even, you know, go to heavyweight. Yeah, I know a lot of people that just, they would love to see All Japan and Noah work together more often. And I would I would love him in a scenario like that. I, I don't know if he'd kind of get lost in the shuffle in, in New Japan at, at the moment. And I think that there's inevitably that, that loyalty to Noah as well, that um, if he is looking at the Japanese route, that would probably be where, where you would see him end up. But yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to what his next chapter is and, and how he looks in his next. So the guy is 37. He's had uh, several big injuries over the last couple of years. So it's not without questions either. I don't think it's um it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be um, suddenly he's turning the clock back eight, nine years in this next run either. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that's all I wanted to mention. Uh, thank you guys for taking my call and hope you guys have a have a great day today. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Appreciate it. I think we have the most polite callers. They're so nice. I'm waiting for uh, Brandon. Hey, assholes. I, Why didn't you like the hemp belt? <laughs> I'm waiting for Brandon from New Jersey to call in. I know. Why I'm, have you not taken the challenge yet, Brandon? I'm really disappointed in Brandon. He'd be he's waiting great, for a one-on-one interaction. He's, a, he's sure. an all-time caller. He'll be at the live show, I hope. I hope so, too. Yeah, he has no excuse. It's just uh, just across the river. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go through the uh, uh, the Sunday card? Yes, I've uh, got quickly. that right here. So, so we'll yeah. be uh, again doing a show after uh, on Sunday afternoon, talking about both of these uh, Sapporo and yeah, both of the Sapporo shows. Night two Sapporo. We've got Toa Hanare versus Yotatsuji, Tiger Mask and Manabu Nakanishi against Shota Umino and Iyato Yoshida, Ren Narita and Hiroshi Tenzan against Takamichi Noku and Takeshi Azuka. Eight man tag. Ryusuke Taguchi, Tomoki Honma, Toru Yano, and Togi Makabe against the Gorillas of Destiny, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro. Yoshihashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens. 
for the IWGP Junior Tag Titles, Shingo Takagi and Bushi defending against former champions El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Sonata and Evil defending the IWGP Tag Titles against Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. That should be very good. And the main event, Tetsuya Naito, <laughs> Taichi for the Intercontinental title. Oh, I can't wait. I don't know about the second night. <laughs> oh, come on. Tai Chi is going to First night, I, I, there, there's a lot to like about the first night. The second, we'll see. Oh, uh, yeah. I would say a bit more of a... Overall. I think it's the weakest of the three new beginning... The big new beginning cards. Yeah, perhaps. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to see Tai Chi, the man, get some focus. I can't wait for that big entrance to come out. Um, I don't predict a great result for him, though. Yeah, what about the following week? Tanahashi, Jay White for the IWGP title. Do you see a title change? Oh, man, it's like one of those things where I can never underestimate, you know, Gato's booking. But because oh, Jay White is just like very hot right now. It will not surprise me in the least if they yeah. put the title on him it, with a shocking title change and beating Tanahashi. Um, mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me. I don't know if I would do it right now. But you know what? That was my thinking, too, going into the Tokyo Dome that Jay White is going to get there. But Okada should win at the Dome, uh, showing that he's not quite there yet. And I'm th- I'm going with the same thing here that oh he's not quite ready yet for the title but man they beat Okada it came off great yep maybe they like Ghetto style is it's not like one foot in one foot out he's all in on a guy oh. so I mean the idea of Jay White winning this title is a very realistic possibility I think you think about you know what a loss would do to Jay White versus what a win would do uh, yeah. for Tanahashi you got his moment he had the big Tokyo Dome win yeah. and it's like you lose it in your first defense and it's like here's the new hot shot it's Jay White like what more story is there really to be told with Hiroshi Tanahashi I mean Madison Square Garden is something that you should be thinking about too though yep and, and what that big match is um, you know I, I will guarantee you this though if Jay White wins the title next week there will be people that will say it's too early Mm-hmm. I will say every single one of those people will be wrong within six months because I am 1000% sure that within six months of him as champion, everyone will be looking back and saying, this guy is one of the best in the world and they were ahead of things with Jay White. I think it, their track record is pretty good. Yeah. Like, the infrastructure is so good. The writing is good. Um, he had a shaky start as a Switchblade character, but I would say for the last six to eight months, he's he's really honed in on that character and yeah. has just, it's come together. It's not fully there, but I think they know it's going to be. It reminds me, he was on a recent, recently he was on a talk is Jericho and they had a, a really great chat, mm-hmm. uh, Jay White and Jericho talking about, you know, just how he kind of came up as, as a young boy talking about how like he didn't know exactly what the young boy system even entailed. He also mentioned how like when he first really got into wrestling, it was from like, winning some contests that sent him to WrestleMania from Australia. So he got tickets to WrestleMania by winning some radio contest. Um, it's still like, it, it's amazing to think that this guy is just still so young yeah, and, and relatively new in, in the business, but already so confident in having achieved so much. Yeah. I, I remember interviewing him a few years ago when he was on his excursion here for Ring of Honor. And I remember, because you only saw him on ROH shows. And I said that, I said something to the effect of, so you're here, you can only work Ring of Honor, I assume you're exclusive. It's like, no, I I can work anywhere. And 
this is my email to book me. And it was like, it was like, he was clearly like, he was over here and probably like, I was expecting to be on a lot more shows than I, than I am. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, no, they clearly see a whole lot in this guy. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Gato sees even more in him that we haven't yet seen. He actually went to detail about like all the, uh, the Jim Ross stuff too. Um, oh, did he? Yeah. No, that, that sounds in interesting. Barnett match. So I encourage everybody to check that podcast out. You know what the shortest lived podcast is uh, going to be? I heard Kevin Kelly. I haven't heard what the deal was. Yeah, but Kevin Kelly launched his own uh, podcast, and Nate Milton was involved. Yes. in it briefly. It, it's, it's with the Place to Be Nation. Yes, yeah. and it was. I really liked the idea. Not the most novel idea, but I thought it was a cool concept of five minutes a day of uh, doing a show. Yep. And the shortest podcast had the shortest run. He announced just out of nowhere on Thursday that he can't do it any longer. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate, but it was it it didn't seem like it was his call. The rest of the network is, is still going? Yes. Yeah. Right, okay. So Yeah, he says here, Kevin Kelly, I am disappointed to announce that my five minute podcast and the podcast league has come to an end. I want to thank the gang at Place to Be Nation for all their hard work. Sorry it was for naught, and to all who listened, subscribed, rated, and discussed. My apologies to everyone. This makes it sound like it was it's the entire ne- podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think like not just the five minutes, but the whole network. Yeah, like not knowing it, it sounds like he was informed he can't do this. Interesting. So well, I don't that's know. Too bad. Yeah, I think Kevin Kelly's. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to listen to that show. So it's uh, hmm. unfortunate he won't be uh, continuing it any further. But but yeah, Nate Milton had a had an appearance on it. Yeah. So no, that was a. Uh, Anyway, there's just just a story that came across this morning. Nate Milton's just popping up everywhere. Dude, Nate Milton's all over the place. Yeah. So when I go to the next Fast and the Furious movie and he's suddenly like pulling up in a Ferrari or something, I'm going to be like, of course. We'll be uh, Hobbs, Hobbs' sidekick, I'm sure. He'll be documenting the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That would be one, right? Don't be a Nater hater. Oh, what? A Nate hater. That would be something if, like, he got someday like a cameo appearance in a rock movie that he would ha- end up having to review on his podcast. <laughs> and then I walked in. That would be the ultimate. <laughs> and Brian gives a very um, critical analysis of the cameo. Yeah. Um. So, a- any other news topics to, that you wanted to talk about? Because no, I just want to uh, reiterate. Uh, beyond the live show, which you can go postwrestling.com slash live. Uh, we have a bunch of shows coming up. Post Puroresu. It is not out today, as many people have noticed. It will be delayed. We will have that up on uh, late Friday, early Saturday morning. Um, so had to adjust the schedule. So that will be up Saturday morning. On Friday, though, well, today, you have a brand new Up Next with Braden and Davey. On Friday, Way and I are back with Rewind Away for all of you uh, cafe patrons with a review of No Way Out 2000, which was quite the trip to go back and watch Triple H, Cactus Jack in their Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley's career on the line for six weeks. Oh, don't forget Mark Henry versus Viscera with... Do forget. Do forget that. With uh, Mark Henry's baby on the line. Uh, (laughs) Nothing Way said was sarcastic. Lots of... uh, It was weird, I'll just say. I think we all fondly remember that that main event for those who have seen it, but the undercard was uh, certainly a bit more of a mixed bag, at least to me. So Yeah, it was was the evolution of the undercard because we were going from, let's be honest, 99 had some pitiful undercards, and now the talent was seeping through, 
Yep. But this was not a show where it all coalesced exactly. Yeah. That's a good word. So that's on the cafe. Again, postwrestling.com slash live to get all your details and to buy tickets to our live show that's happening on Sunday, April 7th at 12 o'clock. Patrons, $5 off. So tickets for you are $20. To everybody else, 25 Fantastic. So that's going to wrap it up, everyone. Postwrestling.com for all the latest news. Postwrestlingcafe.com. And hey, maybe you're watching this. YouTube.com slash postwrestling. Subscribe for free and you'll never, ever miss a video.